Let's bow in a word of prayer here, and uh, and then we'll get into the message. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for this day, and there's so many things that happen that remind us that every day is a gift. And God, we thank you for it, and we pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage in this day to accomplish what you want to glorify Christ in our lives. And um, we thank you for Ken and his uh, pastor's heart and over there at the house and probably chomping at bits would love to be here. And uh, Lord, we pray for him that he will receive the comfort and strength that you have for him. We're thankful for the recoveries he made, recovery he's been making. And for Dawn, we pray for her strength as she teaches and his home and uh, as they stand alongside each other as they've done for so many years and just um, we lift her up in the family as they uh, wait also in Jesus name Amen You going to make my breathing better? <laughs> I can use help Yeah Alright We're going to uh the title of the message today is, If I Just Had Enough Faith. If I Just Had Enough Faith, dot, dot, dot. And uh, we're going to look at Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. But before we read that, travel. How many, how many like to go on vacations? You, know, you like to go on vacations? No? No? How many like to travel? Yeah, like to travel, okay. People can travel differently, can't they? Oh, before I start, I do want to make thank you, Gloria. Gloria wanted to be sure and thank for me to express a thanks to the church. Uh, she had that procedure, and um, it went well, right, Gloria? So they're waiting in the four weeks, and she wanted to be sure and say thank you for prayers for her and for the next four weeks and, and on, right? And uh, so she wanted to just express her gratitude. Thank you, Gloria. So travel. Some like to take, when they travel, maybe a day trip. Some like to take a scenic route and just leisurely enjoy the journey. Others like to find the fastest route and get to their de destination ASAP. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> then there are those trips like the one Donna and I had when we were traveling back home to Texas from a visit in Missouri. Our car broke down. We were about an hour or so outside of Fort Worth, and our car broke down, and we coasted to the side of the road, now at this time, at that time, in that day, we didn't have a cell phone. So we were figuring out what to do, and when what seemed like a matter of minutes, a tow truck pulled over the shoulder in front of our car, and I got out of the car and spoke with him, and soon he had us hooked up, and uh, Don and I stayed in that car, and he towed us to the next truck, truck stop, and uh, where we were able to call a friend to come and pick us up and take us home. That was pretty, you know, it was pretty cool that 
dope truck showing up. Um, now on this trip from Missouri, we began in our car. It was a Buick. Transferred to the tow truck, which I don't know what make it was. And ended up in our friend's car, a Nissan. Having transportation was important. But our focus remained to be getting to our destination, which was home. Having a vehicle was not the goal. Getting home was. But without the vehicle, it would be hard to get there. So this morning, as we read our passage, we'll consider the place faith has in our relationship with God, and the danger of placing too much emphasis on the amount of faith we have. And what I hope we'll discover is that when we focus on the amount of our faith, we hinder our relationship with God. But you say, hey, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus focus on faith? Doesn't he teach us about faith? Isn't faith important? Yes. It's vital for a healthy relationship with God, but it is a provision, not a provider. A vehicle, not a destination. Let's read Mark 9, 14 through 29. When they came to the other disciples... They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law, scribes, arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet Him. Ah, He's here. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes stiff. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So, they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around back and forth, foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, the father answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, what? If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. 
Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He's, he's one of my heroes <laughs> in the Bible. So honest. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, He rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, He said, I command you, come out of Him and never enter Him again. Then the spirit shrieked, convulsed Him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, you killed him. He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and the boy stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Matthew's account of the same scene, when they asked the question, Matthew records that in Matthew 17, that Jesus said it was because of your little faith. In this passage, we see a contrast of faith. The faith of nine disciples, which I call a presumptuous faith. And the faith of a father, which I call a proper faith. First, let's look at the presumptuous faith of the disciples. In this presumptuous faith, what we find is it oftentimes creates erroneous expectations. When we, have, when we focus on faith as the key and we place too much emphasis on the amount of faith we have to get results, we create erroneous expectations. See, there's a debate going on, isn't there? Why are they debating? So Peter, James, John, and Jesus have just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in His glory. And then they came down the mountain. And there they are at the, at the bottom of the mountain and with the crowd. And, and um, they come over to the other nine disciples. And Jesus sees them debating, the disciples and the scribes. And he asks the scribes, what are you arguing about? Well, (laughs) the disciples don't speak up. Who speaks up? The dad. The dad speaks up and he says, explains about his son, including his demon-possessed condition. And the intent of the father was to seek Jesus for the healing of his son. He said, I brought him to you. But when I got here, you weren't here. So I asked the disciples. Now, we know that the disciples, these apostles had success in the same kind of situation previously. 
In Mark 6, verses 12 through 13, and I'll read verse 7 and then 12 and 13. And he, Jesus, summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were, in verse 13 of Mark 6, it says, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. They had experience with this. They had been successful. But now they're confounded. They were not getting the same results as their previous experience. As they focused on that problem, that boy. And nothing improving while they applied what they understood of faith, what worked before. What was happening? When we focus on the amount of our faith or past success in the use of faith, sometimes we think we have the formula for every situation. And we almost don't need God because we have faith. God isn't a formula. Faith is not something that we discover and we can use apart from Him and then He has to do because we have faith. The apostles, what they experienced and what they tried to apply wasn't working. And they became defensive. And the scribes began to ask questions. And the debate ensued. There's been many times in my ministry that I have been called in emergency situations and I approach that situation and as I approach that situation I felt a certain pressure to exhibit a strong faith and make a difference. Walking into an uh, an emergency room or talking not the room but the waiting room or walking into a situation where someone's on a deathbed. Do I have enough faith as I would walk in? Sometimes it was intimidating to have enough faith to make a difference. We all have these sort of feelings sometimes. We all feel, what am I going to say? What am I going to do that's going to make a difference? I hope my faith is enough. It's the, <laughs> it's the wrong focus. But I've been guilty of that. And, and then, you know, uh, when I went to Carthage as a pastor in uh, Carthage, New York, not long after we were there, a deacon was diagnosed with cancer. This was his second bout with cancer. And uh, one of the efforts that we scheduled was to do an anointing in the hospital room. 
So people from the church and myself were gathered in that hospital room with a little vial of oil. And I got the oil and I anointed him. I held my hands on him and we prayed. And the results were that he continued to, the cancer continued to spread. And he passed away. And I struggled. You know, reading James, call the elders, anoint. Didn't work. Was my faith, was it not enough? More than once I left a situation feeling that I made no difference at all. When we focus on the amount of faith, we minimize God. And we enlarge the concept of faith like it's going to do something. And then sometimes when that happens, we may compare ourselves. <laughs> we may say, or we may see someone else and say, like, man, if I just had the faith like so-and-so, man, they are a person of faith. And, and then we begin to focus on the results of that. And we begin to elevate people to the point that they shouldn't be. Sometimes this happened with the apostles. They came and bowed down when, when, when they did things to glorify Christ that was miraculous. And people would bow down and they say, get up, I'm just a man like you, Peter said. But sometimes we do that. And that's a formula for disaster. The father brought his son to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there, so the father came to the disciples. And they, they were unable to do it, as we talked about. I, I give them credit, at least. If I'd have seen a boy like that, and the father would have come to me when that boy was doing like that, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'd have even tried. I, just, I don't know, you know. My Baptist theology, I probably would have figured out some way to justify theologically why I didn't, you know, able to do anything. But they tried. And they couldn't. But when people don't deliver like we think they should or have in the past, what do we do? I don't care who it is. We're all called flawed people. And if we depend on, we need to encourage one another but if we put people in places that we think that they're either more important, that, that won't work. Jesus said, if you have the faith as little as what? You know, mustard seed. That's small. You got all you need. You don't need a pound full. You don't need a boat full. And when we put people in a pedestal that if I just had the faith they did, no, that's not the focus. 
There have been times in the Bible in our lives when people, we place people on pedestals and sometimes they don't want to be there, but we put them there. Maybe they preach good. Maybe they have healing services. Maybe whatever. And we put people on the pedestals. We know that they have fallen. Sometimes people we think, you know, are way up there. Jimmy Swagger. These are some old old ones. Jimmy Swagger, Jimmy Baker. What? God can forgive them. But listen, we put them up and they fell. Ted Haggard. David. King David. And after... When we find out it's not working, that's not the answer either. And Jesus calls out and the Father explains it. It's just not working. Jesus says, oh, faithless generation. <clears throat> he asks rhetorically, how long Will I be with you? How long am I going to be here? And you notice in, in this narrative, the next thing Jesus does after the boy is healed, he's explaining to these apostles that he's going to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. That makes sense. We find out in this Gospel, Mark, that when he did go to the cross, they all forsook him and fled. How long am I going to be with you? Are you just, is it just when I'm physically present that these things can happen? That's not the plan. I am going to go away. And what are you going to do? So a presumptuous faith can lead us down a road that we begin to pursue and get off track of accomplishing God's purposes. And we need to come back to refocus. And faith is not the destination, it's the vehicle to get there. So let's look at the proper faith, what I'm calling of the Father. I mean, I don't you feel for the dad here? <laughs> I sort of feel for the dad. It's like uh, he's, Jesus says, "Bring the boy to me," and he brings him, and everything. I mean, all hell breaks loose, right? He's thrown to the ground. He convulsed. He's rolling back and forth. He's stiff. He's foaming at the mouth. He's, he's grinding his teeth. Don't look good. And Jesus, <laughs> this, these are, I don't know, maybe it's my reading here, and maybe you can help me, but it's like, 
And Jesus says, how long has he been like this? I mean, it's like he's, he's rolling around, foaming and screaming. And, and it's like, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> what? Just healing. But he asked him a question. And, and the father, don't you feel for the father? He says he's been like this ever since he was a young boy. It's been going on a long time. And then he talks about how not only is he like this, but sometimes it throws him into fire. I see it. And then it throws him out of there into water. I see it. And then the father says, take pity on us and help us. He says, but if you can do anything. Now he came and brought the boy to Jesus so Jesus would heal him. But Jesus wasn't there, and so his experience was that the disciples, his followers, his learners, he asked them, and they couldn't do it. So Jesus shows up, and the Father says, if you can. You feel, like, you feel that sort of sudden fade a little bit? I brought him to Jesus to be, if you can. Things don't seem to be getting, but if you can. And Jesus says, what, what, wait. If you can. And then we find him to say, I do believe. Maybe it's that little bit. He says, I do believe. And then he honestly confesses, help me overcome my unbelief or help my unbelief. There's still a part of me that's struggling here. And I think that says a whole lot in this passage because then what we find is when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. He healed, he healed the boy, but when he healed him, what happened? He healed him and the boy lay there and they all thought, he killed him. He's dead. And Jesus, who was teaching the apostles, the real teaching was that I'm going to die. I'm after this episode, he tells the apostles, I'm, I'm going to suffer and die. And in an act, he reaches down to that boy and demonstrates that he's the power of life. And he lifts him up. The father... Had them both. I believe, help my unbelief. I don't know about you, but that strikes a chord with me. I believe, but there's some things I struggle with. And, and sometimes, it, you know, if I'm not careful, I think that I have the 100% faith. Then I, then I begin to expect God to respond to my faith. 
rather than growing in every situation and letting God increase my faith to bring life to a situation which may be more than I ever imagined. So the proper faith is an honest faith. The Father was honest with his conviction and his doubt. But it's also an humble faith. He says, I believe in you. Help my struggle. Fully believing. Help me grow. Help me grow in that. It's not the claim of a mighty faith warrior who comes to the situation and says, I command you in the name of Jesus. It's an humble man who says, I believe in you, but I'm struggling. Help my cynicism. Help my doubt. Help my caution. Help my fear. Help my anxiety. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm not going to get off on how much faith I have. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. That will increase our faith. Henry Blackaby, I'll close with this story. Uh, is any, how many of you, uh, if you have, it's been around a while, have heard and maybe you did the study of experiencing God? You did, Don? You did? Okay. Knowing and doing the will of God, Henry Blackaby wrote it. And in Unit 3, he speaks of his daughter, Carrie, who was diagnosed with cancer. You remember that? And um, Henry Blackaby describes when they were going through that, that um, they would ask questions why. They would ask questions in their faith walk with Christ during that time she had, was diagnosed with cancer. And she had to go through intense radiation treatments. And he said, you know, he even went down the road a little bit of, you know, questioning God's love. And he said, but when I would do that, I would see behind carrying the cross. And then seeing the cross, I would say, God, don't ever let me. Question your love again. And it's the love that God demonstrated to him, as Paul speaks of in Romans, that motivated him to trust. Trust is another word for faith. It's that love of God that motivated him to depend upon Christ because he knew how much he cared. 
and she made it through. But he said, if she wouldn't have, we would have still loved God and looked for the way he wanted to glorify himself. Now, recently I saw online, these are several years later, I think, you know, something like 15, 16 years later, Carrie has been diagnosed with breast cancer. When she was a teenager and went through it the first time, it was Hodgkin's disease. But now she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, I wasn't able to find out what the status is now. I think it was two or three years ago that she was diagnosed. And she was going to have to go through, again, surgery. And so here is, here she is again. They came through something and she was healed. But they think that this cancer, this breast cancer, was brought on by the intense radiation treatments that she received when she was a teenager. Now, <clears throat> they continue and uh, on, on websites, they'll continue to talk about how they are committing each day to Christ's glory through this situation. If we focus on faith, we would say, what, 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 what? God, what? I had faith. I'm, now you're, we're back? Yeah. Because it's not about the amount of faith you have or I have. It's about the relationship that we have ongoing with the personal Savior, Jesus Christ. And whether it's the same situation or a different one, each day is a gift. Each day is a new day. God says in his word, what? My mercies are what? New? How often? Every morning. Every day. But you receive them not by getting in the Buick or the Nissan or the tow truck but by focusing on the Christ who has come and will come again. If you don't have a relationship with him, he says he's knocking on the door, he's there. He says, let's have one. You're living life, I want to live life through you. You're going to experience some bad times, you're going to have some rough days, you're going to have some good days. Let's do it together. Because I will give your life eternal meaning and purpose you won't find anywhere else. If you don't have that, there are people in this room, there are the deacons of the church, there are Don, there's myself, Dave, uh, Nick, uh, Ken, different deacons. There are people that would talk with you and pray with you. Maybe you've already accepted what Christ did and you place your trust in Him, but you're struggling with a situation or a circumstance. You need someone to pray with you. There are people in this church that would love to pray with you. No matter how I have the answer, 
but they're going to talk with you to someone who does and knows what's going on and knows where it's headed. Do you have any other situations? Uh, we're going to uh, close with the with the song here in a minute. I would just encourage you, if you know someone that you'd like to talk to about that, that you would seek them out and do so. And if you leave here, it's not too late. As long as you got breath, you get a hold of somebody and talk to them. Say, I should have done that. It's not too late. You don't have to wait till next Sunday. You can get a hold of them when you get home. So, let's uh, have a word of prayer, and then Ben, you come up and, and lead us in the closing song. Father, I thank you for again this day. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for initiating a relationship with us that we had no idea how to find. And while we were struggling and while we were trying to experience uh, different things and trying to find and discover meaning in our life, you demonstrated your love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, as we start there, help us to understand how to trust. We want to trust you. And help us in every situation to know how to trust you, how to glorify you, even when things get rough, even when things don't look like they're going right. Help us not to get stuck in self-absorbed evaluation, but constantly look to you to follow you where you're leading. So, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.